Welcome to another episode of Dice Talk. I'm Jeremy. And I'm Jerunzu. And today we have a very special guest with us. We have Stephen Pankotai. And I hope I uh, pronounced that right. Very close. So you are the creator of A Night of Fright, uh, amongst a lot of other titles. And you also have now created your own uh, tabletop role-playing system, which is Diesel. And that's what we're here to talk about for the most part today. Um, but Stephen, can you go ahead and introduce yourself? Tell us some of the details I probably missed. And then, yeah, just tell us why you love tabletop games so much. Those are, those are the broad strokes. Uh, I'm a uh, primarily a Dungeon Master Guild creator. I've written a bunch of adventures and supplements, including the best-selling Player Primer series. You can check it all out on Dungeon Master's Guild. Uh, <laughs> I am in tabletop games because I love stories. Uh, I just, uh, that, that connected, like sitting down with a group of people and like building a story together is uh, like, it's the best thing in the world. It's, it's incredible to me. Uh, and that's, uh, why I made my own game. <laughs> and what a game it is. Thank you. We recently had the chance to, uh, show off. Uh, a bit of diesel on the Majestic Goose network. VOD coming soon, pending some technical difficulties that Adam's been having. Hopefully by the time this comes out into your pod feeds, we should have links and such available for you. But yeah, we had an absolute blast playing diesel. So uh, yeah, really, really good work. Thanks for uh, thanks for letting us have a little glimpse uh, before it is you know readily available. Um, it's really worth uh, your time uh, to, to take a look at. And hopefully we do a, did a good job of advertising it for you. It's uh, certainly certainly fun. It went uh, exactly how it, it should have uh, <laughs> <laughs> off the rails, which is yeah. uh, <laughs> that's right. Yeah, uh, not a rail to be. We found. had everything from a wear a wear car uh, yeah. to people that were essentially cyborgs or robots, and people that were just had uh, cybernetic prosthetic arms and things like that. We got to play, but uh, Jerundu, you actually were the game master for that mm-hmm. one, so that was that was a fun and nice a breath of fresh air. But you know, with only our limited experience of the game, I do think Stephen could probably tell us a little bit more about it than we'd be able to. So, could you kind of just explain to our listeners what Diesel is, yeah. and you know, we can start going over the broad strokes and the details. Uh, I describe Diesel as a cinematic action game with an emotional core. So it's intended to start with a session zero, uh, if if you have the time for it, where you collaboratively build your characters and the adventure that they go on. So everyone, the GM and the players, kind of build it together. And then the GM takes all those details and builds a story for those characters, is is the idea. Uh, So then you have a one to three, usually, game adventure. Uh, where you you have a story built for your characters so that you have a personal and emotional tie to it. But that adventure is usually really high octane and full of explosions and motorcycle chases and rocket hands and all sorts of just dope stuff. The game is, is built to encourage you to push beyond what you think you can do. So you can build whatever cool cyborg person you want and then push them beyond their limits to do whatever cool things you can think of. Yeah, it certainly um, panned out that way <laughs> for us. My, it was my from my perspective as the you know the the GM. It, the whole system is sort of set up to facilitate exactly that kind of rule of cool gameplay, while still being you know solidly mechanical enough to sort of bear the weight of uh, driving the narrative forward. But I think the most striking thing about the the rules as um, as I saw them was the encouragement to fail forwards, um, and I think that's something that people can sort of get lost behind, as you say, you know, with with the the focus being so strongly on the on driving the narrative forward. Um, rather than presenting it like a, necessarily like a puzzle challenge or something that you could just get stuck on forever. I had seen a a Twitter thread at like exactly the right time, you know, like really early in Diesel's development. I saw someone I don't remember who it was, but someone had a Twitter thread about tra- about failing forward, and they used the example of a car chase, which is something Diesel is kind of built to do. And you know, they pointed out like you know you want to jump to the enemy car you know, a common thing in car chases and you make your roll for it. And what if you fail that roll and what you miss the jumping and then you fall off the car and then you're left behind when the car chase is going on. Well, that's not fun. Obviously that's, that's terrible. That's wrong. 
and that was something that that stuck stuck with me right at the exact moment during diesel's development where the whole thing is built around failing forward where yeah you're going to jump over to that car you're going to make it but maybe if you roll poorly your you know, you grab the handle of the door, the door flies open and you're kind of trailing behind it. Or, you know, you, you get, uh, you land right on the hood and you're right in front of them when they're about to sh- uh, shoot you. Or, you know, you get caught on the, the tailpipe and you're just barely holding on, you know, like you're not going to just fall off and disappear from the narrative. But, mm-hmm. you know, it's it, the whole game is built for you can succeed, but, <laughs> and that's, that's yeah. baked into the mechanics. You know, I'm quite a big believer in the philosophy of the like a good role playing game or a session thereof is kind of like a shack. It needs to keep moving to to live. And if you come, if the game comes to a screeching halt in the as in the example you've given, you fall off the back of the truck and it gets it gets away, then you've wasted to kind of wasted the player's time and you've wasted your own time in setting up this cool car chase for it to just not happen because of a a bad roll. So yeah, I, like I say, I'm a big fan of of that. Um, one of the instances I can think of is that when Jeremy's character was hacking the computer terminal, didn't get the required threshold to to do the difficulty I wanted, but he still got the information, but instead triggered an alarm. So then, you know, there's narrative consequences for failing that role, but it doesn't completely just slam the anchors on and prevent the narrative from driving forward. So I, I really enjoyed that. We, we, we put that right into the mechanics of the game. Mm-hmm. So in, in the game, there's a, f- a feature called overclocking, where mm-hmm. any role that somehow involves your mods, which are your mechanical parts, you can overclock them and push them beyond what they're supposed to do. And you can do that whenever you want. Mm-hmm. But each die you add to the role increases your chance of malfunctioning. And malfunctions are at the DM's discretion. It's exactly that kind of narrative thing mm-hmm. where, you know, if you, uh, you know, are jumping across the cars in a car chase and you want to use your sprinter legs to do that, that's awesome. Overclock them. Like you are going to slam into that truck, but let's say you malfunction. Maybe you can't use those legs anymore or, uh, uh maybe they are stuck in, uh, their enhanced, place you know where every move you make is super powerful you know or uh maybe one of your legs is is leaking fuel and you're getting fuel all over everything everywhere you move you know some kind of something goes wrong but it doesn't mean that you fail at what you're doing so you can push yourself and you'll do the thing very likely but it you know there's some kind of other thing that happens and it, it that's you know we wanted that fail forward built into the very bones of the game that's a great part of the game not only do the mechanics give you the tools you need to kind of fail forward and to improvise on the spot and succeed um at the task at hand but the setting itself kind of gives you the tools you need like you're this Mm. person with cybernetic enhancements like falling off the side of a car shouldn't be the end of you you do have that extendable arm or that jetpack on your leg or whatever it is and if you do get hurt, you obviously live in a world where these, you know, some sort of physical ailment like losing your arm doesn't actually mean you that's the end of your arm. Now you just have an arm. You could get like another enhancement and now your arm is repaired. And the next time you come and do a little one shot or a campaign or whatever it is, mm. um, I thought that was. Re- and then I like how there's just all this room to kind of create your own enhancements. The discretion of the game master, like my own character wore this mask that yeah. <laughs> we decided since it like is allowing him to speak because there was damage to his mouth that mechanically later we decided, Oh, well maybe it could also like mimic other, other voices. It's heard like it could program them mm-hmm. in. And that was something Jurandu let me do. So I like that whole rule of cool. That's not just an unspoken rule of cool. It's actually built in the game. Well, I think that, that was the thing was that as I said, with the ingrained sort of encouragement to, to do a session zero, because we were all sat around, well, figuratively sat around a table discussing it um and i'm ideally not speaking too much in the sessions there and just taking copious notes of what everybody else is saying but uh, that that kind of was a uh it it was sort of a, it came about through the needs of doing a kickstarter because mm-hmm. uh, the book itself is, is going to be fairly thin compared to a lot of rpg source books um and it's it's because 
we encourage people to to flex it and make it their own you know it, this isn't you know the, the forgotten realms which is you know a million years old and has all these details and all this lore you need to learn it, it, it's not um but that came about through it's expensive to make a book sure. <laughs> you know every every extra page needs to pay for the writer pay for the editor pay for the layout of it uh so we we came in knowing it was going to be a slim book and it kind of reverse engineered and, and kind of worked out that way where we realized that that we can build in the flexibility for for people and for players and gms where you can like we don't have every mod in there one of our stretch goals is to add more and i think we have some great ideas to keep adding more but we put in the tools to help you make your own mm-hmm. and uh, you know the the setting is is uh it has it's it's guide rails is how i think of it sure. we have all this information on the setting but you you know if you're on the east end of the map you don't need to know about the west end of the map you know you don't need that detail why take up space in your brain about that uh, so it's it's intentionally and kind of reverse engineered <laughs> to be this, uh, you know, easy book. And I'm really excited about that. Absolutely. It makes sense. I mean, um, from, as you say, from the Forgotten Realms perspective, there's, I think people f- feel that they need permission to ignore certain aspects of the the law as it's written, uh, because there's such a, a weight of, of history and established law and, and, you know, published material about these things that sometimes people feel hesitant to, um, explore those things without having, you know, studied in detail 50,000 editions of the monster manual or whatever. Um, and it's nice to sort of explicitly have permission to, to make the game your own and tell your own stories. And, I think, like I say, I think people, a lot of people feel hesitant to do that um, unnecessarily in in my view, because D&D is so idolized, you know, in, in the mainstream. Yeah. And I think that's why a lot of homebrew worlds are, are so popular. Mm. You know, like I run a homebrew game and it's, you know, it functions a lot like Diesel where I have these broad strokes like I know what's the, the what this country's culture is like and what that mountain is called and whatever, but uh, I don't fill it in until the players are going there. Yeah, <laughs> you know why do I need to know all the you know what the religious tenets of this organization is like if the players never meet them? I don't sure, know exactly. <laughs> so it's uh, it functions very much like that. Where it's where are we? Let's fill that in. You know, here's some overview stuff. But you, the GM, and the players have the ability to fill that in. You know, if a player says, "Oh, I want," you know, my dad was the the world's greatest diesel assassin. Okay, you know, I didn't define in the book who the world's greatest diesel assassin is. Mm-hmm that you don't have to bend to fit that you can bend the world to fit whatever, you know, whoever you think the world's greatest diesel assassin was. Yeah, absolutely. It's, you know, it's, I think everybody enjoys having that kind of agency to, uh, to involve themselves in the world building and, and to be encouraged to do that explicitly really is quite, is, is freeing for everybody. And it made it a lot easier for me to craft a, a story for people to play in 24 hours from us having that session zero. So, um, yeah, it's, it, it's like, it kind of felt like making, it's like making a movie in a, in a sense that has that kind of driving the, the game encourages to have that kind of driving narrative behind it. And then each thing is kind of, it would be its own like installment of a trilogy in a, in a, you know, a series of movies, each thing sort of stands on its own. And it was really more about imagining set pieces like that I wanted to put into the game rather than saying this is the beginning, middle, and end of the story. I kind of left that. That's up to the players, more or less, and they've just designed the encounter around these specific beats yeah. that you want to hit. Um, yeah, exactly. And one of my... my It was my first playtest, and, and there's actually some... There's a, 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 a brief synopsis of this that's in the core rulebook. Uh, but my, my first playtest was I sat some of my friends down and I explained the gist of what the game was. And I said, what do you guys want to play? And they're like, we want to do a heist. Mm-hmm. And I was like, okay, that's dope. But their characters were half of them were terrible for a heist. <laughs> uh, like one of them was this awesome, cool cyber assassin person who could infiltrate anything. Uh, but another one of them was this massive, just 
tank of a person. <laughs> like there no subterfuge, no sneak, no anything. It, you know, so I had to figure out how to craft a story around these people. And I did that with exactly what you're saying by picturing these like set pieces and making sure everyone had one for them. Mm-hmm. You know, so like the, you know, the, the big guy was the, the distraction. <laughs> essentially. Yeah, sure. uh, but they got to mow down a bunch of people and to be really badass and to do all this great stuff. Um, while the sneakier people were trying to sneak in and do the subterfuge, which of course went wrong and the alarms are going off and <laughs> now they've kind of bust out and there's car chase. Uh, so all that sort of stuff. But uh, the thinking in that way of, of just letting the players guide it and letting the mm-hmm. players shine uh, makes that's, that's what I think makes these games so memorable is it's you spent that session zero building your character you all understand each other. You have these deeper connections to your characters than just, oh, here's the fifth D&D character I've made this week. <laughs> and then the game is built around those characters. You know, like the villain of that test game was one player's brother that they thought had died. Uh, one character's brother that they thought had died. And it, like, it had that personal tie to it and these unique crafted, like, this is my part. This is my cool moment that everyone had something that they remember and like that it sticks out for you. And I, I think it just creates such impactful games. Yeah. It can be a lot more personal that way. Mm-hmm. And you mentioned how like your book doesn't have to come with this giant, you know, like 40 pages of lore and background. And that's because the setting you've created this like diesel punk, it, it's such a mixture of so many things that people can borrow from and invent as you go. Like it is like it's steampunk, it's cyberpunk. It's like futuristic. It could be, you can use things you know about modern times though and still go from there it's like western at the same time yep. it's just all these different influences like you can just think of any action yeah, movie and exactly. borrow things from there mm-hmm. and i think that makes it easy for the game master and for the players to to build upon the narrative and just come up with things as they go mm-hmm. um steven what kind of influences would you say led to this like how did you first come up with this idea um, what made you think like this is the kind of setting there's not enough of in tabletop games it uh it actually uh came about through a typo uh <laughs> the the whole origin story of diesel is a typo i was i was on discord talking with some other tabletop creators uh and i mentioned uh the D spell dispel magic but i typoed it and i spelled diesel magic <laughs> is what it is what it autocorrected to and i just got this image in my head uh of uh, and this does exist like arcane punk uh, you know, I, I got this image of, you know, like someone just wired up with machinery and like pouring diesel fuel into like a, a leg holster and it like powered up, you know, runes around them. And I thought it was a dope image and it is a dope image. Uh, and it, I just sat with it for a while and I, I, I thought like, oh man, that's a whole setting. That could be this whole thing. Um, and I, I couldn't get it out of my head and I eventually evolved it into, I tried to write a short story of it and, and I wrote about some characters in this world and it helped me flesh it out a lot. And it, it shifted away from the magic into this, there, there are some like, you know, quasi magical elements in the, you know, <laughs> kind of just plot device magic, um, in the book, but it, it, uh, evolved into more of a technological slant to it and it just lit me up because it felt like Mad Max and I freaking mm. love Mad Max <laughs> like Fury Road is one of the best movies that's ever been made uh, so I, I started getting those images of you know Mad Max just cranked up even further with this like sort of you know quasi magical element to it where it's you know Furiosa's got that dope robot arm but what if it you know out like turrets and shot missiles and you know there's more explosions in mad max uh and i just i fell in love with it and i started talking to people about it and everyone i talked to was like oh wait that sounds great and it, it just kept going <laughs> yeah and it was really good fun to do precisely because it was so easy to reach for those cultural touchstones that we all share from watching cheesy action movies or you know tv shows like firefly or you know, anything that's sort of this is sort of frontier um, lawlessness. I kind of like... Even StarCraft, in a way. StarCraft is all like playing it, giving me like a sci-fi Western feel. Like, you're in the new West. You're in the new frontier, this new land that they're essentially colonizing. Sure. Mm-hmm. And I kind of got like a... I kind of lifted a lot of like OCP, Wayland yutani kind of references for 
yeah. for my game too, just because this this horrible monolithic corporation running everything. Absolutely, yeah, and and uh, you know, Diesel has has its own spin on things, but it it purposefully doesn't break too much new ground because we you know we don't want to have to explain everything you know i don't want to sit down players and be like here's all this detail and here's all this. i want to be able to say sure. it's mad sure. max it's firefly <laughs> like because people can it's you know i can show them a gif i yeah. can I pull up a little clip or an image and like oh okay now i understand where i am it's, and it's that immediate yeah. Thing. It's, yeah it's immediately relatable um you don't have to do any sort of quasi historical research to feel like you're grounded in the setting it's you've you're in that you've been raised in that pop culture surroundings anyway so it just immediately feels familiar you know what your expectations are as a action hero essentially um so uh, yeah I, I i really enjoy settings like that anyway just because it is such a refreshing uh change from um conventional fantasy fair as much as i do enjoy that too um but yeah, being able to play with people's childhood movie favorites and and things like that, you know, overtly homage those things, um, is immensely gratifying. Or at least I found it to be so. Anyway, yeah, <laughs> I agree. <laughs> <laughs> so we are going to get right back to talking about Diesel after a quick break from our sponsors. Space. Mayday alert. We are under attack. Oh, blarney. I can't even watch the tube for ten seconds. Rerouting auxiliary power to abjuration shields. Someone get on those cannons. We've got company. Are you looking for a Dungeons & Dragons sci-fi fantasy space adventure? Then what you are looking for is Eclipse. Join our crew every other week as we struggle to keep the galaxy safe. With Dr. Shepard, the Illithid Cleric. Space Pirates. That was wild. Ava Elkin, the Human Monk. If we play our cards right, we might not be totally screwed. Lita Nove, the ASMR Bard. We should be arriving in Amaron in about two hours. Info O. Scott, the Warforged Artificer. Alright, I'm just gonna go ahead and fire the sonic cannon here. Kanan Vargas, the Tiefling Sorcerer. Does anybody else think this is like a super aggressive move? And I'm Jeremy Fair. I will be your Dungeon Master. Eclipse can be found on Spotify, Apple Music, or anywhere you like to get your podcasts. You find yourself in the midst of an endless frozen field. This would be difficult terrain for all but the most elite warriors, but you're no stranger to this punishing climate. You stand alone with nothing but your trusted silver blades and your most resplendent custom-made armor. This is it, the final encounter in a quest for gold that's brought you all over the world. You've been training your whole life for this, and you're ready. If this sounds exciting, have we got great news for you about competitive figure skating. Join us at the Ice Tea Podcast, the podcast where we spill the tea on figure skating. Whether you're a diehard fan or you just saw Yuri on Ice once and you thought it looked kind of cool, we're here to recap major events, interview your favorite skaters, break down the drama, and do the incredibly important sports journalism of rating the quality of plushies thrown out onto the ice. We may not be technical specialists, but we are comedians with a lot to say. Check us out at bit.ly slash Podcast or by searching the Ice Tea Podcast wherever you get your pods. Do you suffer from chronic storytelling dysfunction? Do you find you're overrun with trite tropes and cliche character patterns? Well, you're not alone. In my old age, I was tired of boring stories, but thanks to Dice Chronicles, I feel young again. If you suffer from a lack of creative world building or one-dimensional character development, Dice Chronicles may be just what you need. My characters always felt flat and unable to perform, but with Dice Chronicles, I'm not afraid of being my true self. Before I started listening to Dice Chronicles, I felt so alone in my hunger. But now I'm a first-rate villain. Dice Chronicles gave me a purpose. But most importantly, it gave me a terrible French accent. Hi, I'm Yarn, and before Dice Chronicles, I used to be terrified of magic. But now, after just a few episodes, I've got magic pouring out of my eyeballs. I used to suffer from crippling anxiety, but thanks to Dice Chronicles, now I only suffer from anxiety from going on an adventure with my friends. Dice Chronicles is not responsible for rolling natural ones, TPKs, or the general feeling that our characters are better than yours. Ask your DM today if Dice Chronicles is right for you. Find us at podbean.com or wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. 
So before the break, we were talking all about diesel and the world of diesel and how one of the best things about the system is just how open it is and how it's really easy for players and the GM alike to literally jump in there, do a session zero, and within a few hours or a few days, you know, get in there and be ready to play with, uh, like, you don't have to have this huge campaign planned out. No. Um, but one of the things we haven't talked about at all are actually some of the mechanics of the mm-hmm. system, just how it works. So some people might be used to using D100s or D20s or depending on what it is that they're used to playing, but they might find that this game is a lot more straightforward when it comes to dice rolling and stats. Would you care to speak on that a little bit, Stephen? Absolutely. Uh, Diesel uses a D6 pool system, meaning you had a little handful of six-sided dice, uh, which just tactically feels fantastic to roll i think just you know, have a little handful of dice uh but everything you attempt to do that warrants a die roll uh, uh is based on these so you have your base stats uh you know your brawn dexterity uh, you know, all that basic stuff uh and you roll dice from that relevant stat so if i'm picking a lock uh, I would roll, and I have three dexterity, then I roll three dice for my dexterity. Then you add any bonus dice that your mods give you. So if I'm a thief, maybe I have built-in lockpicks in my fingers, and that gives me plus two dice. So I've got three dice plus two dice, so I'm rolling five dice. And then you roll five dice, and anything four, five, or six is a success. So you count up your number of successes, and if it's higher than the DC, you succeed. So... uh and, and the DC is flexible based on GM discretion. So if you're just trying to pick a lock, you can just do that most of the time. If you're a cool cyber thief, whatever. <laughs> but if it's, you know, the super advanced mega jail cell lock, maybe that's harder. Or if you're trying to pick a safe, that's, you know, you're in a firefight or you're in the back of a car while your buddy's driving it and shooting rockets at everybody and you're trying to get it open, you know, that all makes it harder. And that's when you might... Uh, overclock, which I mentioned in the first half, where you could push your lock picking ability beyond a normal limit and try to do a super lock pick essentially. Um, but the, the whole thing is built to be fairly easy. Uh, you know, everything is just built around this D6 pool system. You know, combat is built around that. You, you know, you have uh, the same thing like your, your base stat plus anything from mods for your attack. If it beats your opponent's armor, you hit them. And then you, you deal whatever damage that weapon says you deal. Um, and it, it keeps it very simple and streamlined. You know, I find uh, some, you know, like D20 players from like D&D, you know, it, it takes them just that minute to, to shift gears to <laughs> like, oh, I don't need a whole set of different dice and to track all these different numbers and all that. No, it's you just grab a handful of D6s, do, you know, count basic math and it's good to go. I think that's perfect for a lot of people who uh, are either longtime D&D players or just play a lot of different tabletop games like mm-hmm. uh, Jerundu and I on the Majestic Goose Network. We get, I mean, we're fortunate. Yeah, we get really to try lucky. all sorts of crazy systems <laughs> all the time. Really Pretty lucky. awesome. But one of the things we've noticed, at least personally, and I've noticed with other groups that play a lot, sometimes you go a long time without rolling any die. And I think this system is set up for that, where you don't have to get bogged down in all these complicated mechanics. Mm-hmm. You can just play the game and tell a story and focus on uh, developing your character and having fun with your friends. And I think that really easy one, two, three fail, four, five, six success. That's just really easy. And I think you, if you can convince someone who's never played a tabletop game, this is just as fun as playing D&D, but it's not nearly as like intense and scary at first. You could mm-hmm. probably get someone to play this a lot easier because it is so simple. We basically all learned it in that session zero didn't we like, i don't think db and danny had read read anything until we started so within you know a three-hour session zero we'd learn learn how to play the game so it's it's very much intended to not be frightening yeah uh, you know because D 5e is very simplified I, i'm a mm-hmm. big fan of 5e i agree but you still have to What's my attack bonus? I, do I add my strength to this? This weapon does how much? But that weapon does that much. It is still complicated, uh, and you know, without being able to like sit around physically a table and like help people and point at their sheet and do all that, like it, it is hard. Uh, but if I'm just like, oh, you got three 
dexterity, and then you got two from your thing. You just roll five dice. Just you know, grab five dice or type into into your Discord chat. You know, five d six, and then bloop, there you go. Uh, it's it's very easy, which is fantastic. I think, especially because it's custom. You know, like you picked your mods, you picked all this stuff. Like you have an understanding of what does what. You know, I think it's a it'd be, it's a it'd be a good game to introduce someone to because you could potentially just play it in an evening if you've got enough time or, or, or over one weekend as as we did uh our our very first stretch goal uh is for pre-generated characters uh which is built for exactly that so like uh, the the pre-gens come with their mods selected they come with uh backstory information and like how they connect to the other pre-generated characters mm-hmm. um so it, it doesn't define an adventure for you but it gives you a lot of hooks where you sure. can easily like drop these characters in and they have like built in like some conflict, some, you know, different stuff. Um, I, I would love to be able to, to hit that stretch goal and <laughs> drop those in. So people could just sit down. Oh, here's a character. Let's just play a quick game. Oh, you loved it. Now let's do a deeper one where you can build your own. I hope you get there too, because um, you deserve it. It's a really fun um, game. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and it deserves it deserves all the success and backing that uh, our audience is willing to give it. Uh, I've certainly I'm not <laughs> not being uh, hyperbolic when I say it was one of the, <laughs> the most fun experiences I've had on stream. So um, I appreciate it. I, don't know, I wouldn't say if it wasn't true, unless uh, you were paying me sufficiently. <laughs> From a playing perspective, see, Drundu, you got to run the game, so I don't know that you mm-hmm. even looked at building characters the same way because you didn't actually go through the process of it. I was jealous, actually. It. I was jealous of you guys. I really wanted to make a character, but um, my place at that time was to make sure that I could build a, a good story and a good world for your guys to live in. But I, I would love to play again as a player sometime. Well, I like how easy it was to um, build a character. Like you said, we went in there not really knowing too much about how the game was played. We just kind of mm-hmm. knew about here's the setting, kind of think of an idea that fits that that idea. And we came in there and did that. But there was like the different base stats, like brawn, dex, uh, personality, mechanic, know-how, and organics. And then that's mm-hmm. it. So you were able to use those and very easily pick different mods based on what was it? I think you had to have um your organic score was what determined what how many mods you get so if you were yeah, less organic your max, your max dice pool in right. your stats too it makes sense that you you know if you're less organic that means you're more mechanical so you have more mods and things like that or if you were more organic you might have less mods i thought that was very straightforward and then the mods that were offered were also awesome like yeah. they all just were so superhuman and they were just all you know diesel punk like these awesome you know like a weapon for an arm or some sort of electric uh, device that enhanced one of your abilities in some way and then it just felt to me like and you can just very easily make your own mods and then have a conversation yeah. with gm and you know enhance what's already there well how often i ask you this uh, how often would you play another role-playing game where a player asked to be able to turn into a car and you could resolve that in 10 minutes i can't think of one <laughs> I, I i honestly i was really happy to see that on the stream uh because it it, that shows the flexibility of the engine. Mm-hmm. Yeah, know, definitely. Like, there, there was <laughs> no, like, Yeah. <laughs> there, there was no, like, oh, hey, I'm going to have to think about that. Uh, I, you know, let's, you know, where do the wheels go? <laughs> you know, like, who cares? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, like, it's literally the, the part of the setting is, is you can shift reality. Like things that, that could not possibly be real can be real you know so like you have that empowerment right there from the beginning where someone says hey can i just fully transform into a car that can move my four friends at top speed it's like okay sure (laughs) i mean if i if i'm willing to suspend disbelief far enough to you know buy into the setting at all then why split hairs about it you know we're all in it for a good time so especially with a game like this where it's the kind of stories that i want to tell wouldn't have lent lent themselves to uh, a long campaign the installments of like of independent narratives like i say like movies and sequels that's how i kind of viewed it so if that's the case then sure if you want to be a car <laughs> go for it like why not it'll add to the um add to your sense of you know the player's sense of agency and and their sense of belonging in the world and also enable me to tie that into some really cool set pieces so what's to complain about 
And that's for me the the strength of this style of of game where it's built for just you're telling this one story. Mm -hmm. You know, maybe it's one shot, maybe you're playing it over like five games, but it's you're telling one story. story. Because, you know, to me, like if I finish a game of Diesel and the players have anything left in the tank, I didn't push them hard enough (laughs) because Diesel's a game you can die. Mm -hmm. And it's not like a D&D game where it's like, oh man, how are we going to get them back next session? It's you died you know hopefully the it's steered in a way where it's an impactful thing but you can die you can run out of your abilities you know the the in my play tests you know people use their their fuel and all their resources and they overclocked themselves and malfunctioned and they were all on the brink of death when when they completed and none of them died uh, because they managed to, my, my big last encounter, you know, they, they managed to, to talk their way out of it, which also is impressive, you know, that, mm-hmm. that still makes it meaningful because it had that emotional tie to it. But, uh, it's, it's built for that player agency and the players just spending everything and being cool. You know, you're not hoarding health potions and magic items. You're just, we're blowing it. This is the thing. Yeah. I think that's, you know the stakes are sufficiently high to you know to warrant that you're telling one satisfying story, and we're all as I say we're all touching on familiar sort of cultural archetype um, to die nobly pursuing some great you know great cause isn't you know you can swallow that I think over the course of like uh, a a narrative that's cont- sort of self-contained that way rather versus perhaps one that you've a character you spent three years playing every every Friday night and then you die to some kobolds in a dungeon one day. <laughs> you know? Um the stakes the stakes are always going to be so high that even if your character does die, it's going to seem like, you know, glorious and not you know, not completely wasteful and tragic. Um yeah, as I say, it's just it's a really dynamic system to play and it is driven by any any dice rolls you need to make being easily resolvable. So the the table doesn't just come to a crashing halt. While you spend ten minutes looking up how to resolve a grapple, say you know, I have spent a lot of time like playing D and D games where you know you're measuring how far spells can go, and then an enemy moves, and your whole plan is shot, and you know, like you're positioning yourselves, and there's all this strategy, mm-hmm. and and I I enjoy that. I yeah. absolutely think there's a place for that in RPGs, definitely. Um, but this one, you know, it's uh, theater. The mind works really well mm-hmm. for it. You know, the, the rules don't define you can move 30 feet. It's you can move a reasonable amount. <laughs> you yeah, know, like yeah, if you, figure you can traverse that amount. Sure. <laughs> you know, uh, especially when, you know, so many of the characters, you know, have different, you know, mechanical legs or not mechanical legs or all these mm-hmm. different things. It's like, how far do you think you can go? Sure. Let's let's try it. Um, and it, it's it really aids to that player feeling of they're in their own movie in their head. And, you know, they see themselves doing some cool backflip and launching off that wall and flinging out over there. And maybe that's even different than what I, the GM, was picturing. But I'm like, all right, sure. You know, you're a little bit close to that wall. That sounds really cool. (laughs) Like, that doesn't completely break the immersion for everybody else. You know, just flexes it a little bit. Yeah, exactly. And that sounds dope. So cool. (laughs) Reasonable negotiation within the sort of the game. Yeah. To keep keep it on, uh, keep everybody happy. Um, Yeah. And I'm, I don't mean to sound like I'm ragging on D&D. I, I've played a lot of D&D. Mm-hmm. I still enjoy it. I still love it. It's it's a fun game. Yeah. But it's a very different kind of game. And it, you know, it has emphasis on different things and different uh, gameplay mechanics. And it's nice to mix it up sometimes. And they're not, I'm not saying one thing's better than the other. It's just, why not paint with all the colors of the palette? Um, there's lots of different types of games to play out there. That's something that, that I have <laughs> used in my advertising <laughs> for Tiesel. Uh, where it's it's a nice break, yeah. you know, like just these these short games. Like honestly, I wouldn't play Diesel every single week for two years. You know, it's cool, but it's meant to be that kind of refreshing splash. Mm-hmm. Like it's it's the, a short game. You know, every couple of months you you, you play some new cool badass thing. Tester was like, "Hey, I'm working on this thing. You want to help me test it?" <laughs> and we took a break from our regular game and spent three weeks playing diesel and it's fantastic and it gives you a new way to think about characters and their motivations and how they connect to each other in the world and then we came back to D and you feel like refreshed 
sure. know, like, oh, now I, I can think about this in a new way. I have new experiences to color this with, mm-hmm. and it, it, it feels good. Speaking of new experiences, I think the the rules for car chases um, were really easy to pick up, but um, also felt really satisfying. Do you mind going into a little bit of uh, detail about those? Yeah, the car chases were actually probably our most refined thing in the book because mm-hmm. um, you know once we cracked the base mechanic of, of most things you know everything more or less falls under that sure. um and the vehicle chases were actually our very last edition like we got to our, our play test and i was like oh wait we never <laughs> like i wanted to do a car chase so we didn't define that <laughs> uh the diesel engine was co-designed by two people cassandra and matthew they made the vehicle stats and they actually were the most refined thing from playtesting mm. i think because uh, it has to feel correct you know like a car has to take hits but also it has to be able to action movie explode all the time <laughs> so it it has to have that kind of narrative feel it, it's kind of more than like a, a player uh, has to have that kind of narrative built in because it's a set piece because it's yeah. an object. Um, so, you know, we have stats for a couple different things. We have bikes, cruisers, carriers, and tanks. So motorcycles, regular cars, big cars, tanks. And, uh, you know, each one has different speeds uh, and each one has different, um, uh, um, like the ability to steer it with precision mm-hmm. uh, and weight classes. And there's, uh, there's a few stats in there for uh, a few rules for, ramming vehicles and chasing vehicles and you know what can keep up with what and all that sort of thing uh, but what i think is really fun is that vehicles malfunction the same as diesels mm-hmm. as characters um where it's it's built for you to take those hits you know to get a harpoon lodged in your engine to you know there's grenades all over the place and you're dodging shrapnel uh, and there's all the pistol shots you know peppering the sides of your car like it's it's built for that your car keeps going but like you, it might malfunction. Uh, and until it reaches the point where it's just dead, it's exploded, you can you can keep driving it, but things are going to get harder or weirder or, you know, you're listing to the left or your, your one wheel is always popping up or you can't fire your uh, headlight-mounted Gatling guns yeah. <laughs> anymore, whatever you have. Uh, so it's... Uh, it, it was definitely something where we realized we needed it. And we realized immediately where we were like, oh, wait, no, this has to be good because everyone's going to want to do a car chase. Sure. <laughs> so far, I've been right. In our case, we wanted to do one so bad, we just had one of our diesels become a car. Yeah, exactly. Car. I mean, I knew I was going to have to do one, and it was the thing that I was most worried about implementing. But when it came time to actually do it, it was just seamless. It just worked. That's one of those things that theater of mind is going to work out better than a map. And you know me, we've talked about in previous Dysock episodes countless times. I I am one that uses the map stuff sometimes and kind of overdoes it when it comes to D&D. But a chase scene, especially a car chase scene or some sort of fast-moving vehicle, I do think theater of the mind is perfect for that kind of thing. And that's one of the things about this system. It's like, like that's an action movie and all, and everyone's head. Sure. And I think, like, you know, with the, the distances and such being so vaguely defined, um, like purposely is you, you can fit a lot of micro movements and little mini actions and things like that in. And it's up to sort of you to negotiate rather than dictate um, how a certain sequence sort of plays out the players. Um, I, I think a lot about, uh, you know, I'm, I'm a, yeah. a critical role fan and you know, the, the classic Matt Mercer line of you can certainly try. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> you know, absolutely. That's, that's, it's a very D and D thing of, you can try it, but who knows if it'll work. And diesel is, is built to flip that on its head where it's not, you can certainly try it's hell. Yeah. That's amazing. <laughs> you know, yeah, yeah. It, you can do that. There may be consequences though. Yeah, there might be, but it's, you know, like in, in, in my, my early play testing, you know, some of the, the, the players were on a truck. Mm-hmm. And they were flanked by a couple of motorcycles and there was a heavy truck coming up behind them, like loaded down with bad guys. And one of the the players leapt off the back of their truck, leapfrogged off an enemy motorcycle and leapt onto 
the enemy truck <laughs> and like climbed on top of it and they overclocked to do that and they malfunctioned and ended up like overshooting and they were like dangling dangerously on the back of the truck but there was no moment of you know let me check the rules for jumping let me check the the rule you know yeah. do you, are you gonna have to hit this guy on the motorcycle do we need to roll for that and then roll again are you doubling your chances of falling off and dying it was just that is a dope idea mm-hmm. let's let's try to make that happen <laughs> Yeah, nobody had to get a ruler out and measure jump distances and so on. Yeah, we fought on top of a truck. I shot a guy, I shot a driver through a window or something, or I missed and tried to do that. But it was just like very loose. Like we didn't have to like, yeah, look up all the different things. We just kind of jumped from one car to another, Mm -hmm. climbed up the side of a moving vehicle and fought some people. Yeah, it was pretty awesome. It was pretty cool. Yeah, he had a saw (laughs) arm. It was classic battle. <laughs> Gun versus saw. I think we said it was like fighting Wesker and Resident Evil. Once again, yeah. it's just in our minds, we're like building this story. We're like imagining this cinematic mm-hmm. fight, uh, and that's ex- it. Sounds like that's exactly what your goal was. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. That's, that's why I, I use that word cinematic a lot in in my descriptions for Diesel because it, when I when I play Diesel, I've got you know the black bars on the top and bottom of my mind screen. <laughs> you know, like <laughs> this is a movie you know it's it's something i'm I'm watching it's just it's cool you know it's it's made to just thrill you you know mm. uh, yeah again i think sort of tied with the the thing about car chases and the stats for the cars they're just like you just have like these four um sets of stats basically um similarly like planning combat encounters and stuff was a breeze because they were just like three archetypes basically of sets of stats to pick from so i didn't have to laboriously craft each encounter and pick out, oh, I want this individual person and these kind of, these kind of enemies. It's like, nope, you've got like, um, grunts, lieutenants and, uh, captains, bosses. Right. Um, and that's your three tiers of enemies. So like planning combat encounters was just like, I want X amount of these people. And that, that was all I needed to worry about. And the rest of it is just narrative flavor. Yeah. Um, And it's, it's balanced so that you can, just mow down enemies <laughs> you know yeah. the, the grunts the well, minions are just yeah, exploding exactly. all over the place and they they might they might seriously damage you if they get really lucky or you get really mm-hmm. unlucky um but uh, functionally players aren't super threatened until the boss comes out you know? yeah exactly and, and that's the way it should be you know you're you're meant mm-hmm. to feel like the hero you know yeah and that's how conventional, you know, that's how conventional narrative structure works. It's you, you, you expect, and by you know, your your expectations have been managed at this point to to know that you're going to be in an action film, playing an action film, that you're going to cruise through um, a sea of uh, goons before you get to uh, the main boss or or whatever. So if you again, it comes back to what I was saying before. If you die to kobolds in the dungeon after uh, hitting like level ten, you're going to feel a bit miffed <laughs> but the, the game you know it can't it can happen and it but it would certainly be a, a dramatic event and like you say you'd have to be swarmed by uh a lot of um grunts to to really uh to go and that has it it has its own appeal to me <laughs> the idea of your character getting swarmed by like holding off the hordes while your buddies do yeah. something else and that's you know i i just personally coast over a lot of the, the the details of rpg yeah you know like did your characters bring enough rations in this did you go to the bathroom <laughs> Who cares? you know like i do yeah. a lot of, of fast traveling you know i don't do a lot of like random encounters and uh, yeah it, it doesn't interest me i'm in it for the narrative uh, sure and that's, that's you know that's what this game is built for and that i have no problem with people who like the minutiae and the details absolutely um and you can play diesel that way there's absolutely no wrong way to do it. Uh, it's just engineered for that cinema, you know, that, that just yeah. feeling good. I think it's it's hard to mean, it would be hard to, this isn't a, a failure, failing of the game. This is just, you know, like psychology, basically. It'd be hard to maintain that degree of intensity, like um, consistently over, you know, a, you know, a weekly game, say, uh, in my, just in my view. But that's, precisely what it's meant to be it's meant to be an explosive um break from having this kind of emotional um uh, time sink and and you absolutely could you know just like yeah you know just like uh, you know you can watch a superhero movie but then you can watch a superhero 
TV series, you know, it, mm-hmm. it, it focuses more on character the issue of the daily life created yes. by action, but you, you can't, you absolutely can't make it work. I would love to see someone, yeah. you know, do a, a, a year long diesel campaign. <laughs> I think that would be mm-hmm. fantastic, but, um, uh, it's, it's built to be the most fun where you just go in and boom, you know, it's an explosion, you know? Yeah, exactly. And I think you know, that, that, that kind of dynamism is carried through by the, the mechanically through through the way that the game works and just also by the sort of the the tone um and the encouragement to to collaborate it really just sort of helps to sort of just have this hit after hit after hit just driving the the game forward which you know just really propelled me through six hours of gming absolutely um like it was 10 minutes so <laughs> that's good i'm glad yeah definitely speaking of time flying as usual the episodes fly right by when we're doing these conversations. Um, but we are at the end of this episode. So Steve, thank you so much for coming on and talking to us about diesel today. Can you remind our listeners one more time where they can find diesel, uh, where they can find you and where they can find some of the other projects you're working on? Absolutely. Uh, diesel is now on Kickstarter you can find it by searching diesel or by going to our website, which is runs on diesel.com. Uh, there's plenty of links there. Uh, or you can follow me on Twitter at Stephen Pankatai. As always, I just wanted to take some time to say thank you for listening to the podcast. I hope that our discussions were able to entertain and inspire you. Do you have an idea for a guest you'd like to hear us interview? Or perhaps there's a topic you'd like to hear us discuss on the show. We want to hear about it. You can send us comments, questions, or just say hi by going to dicetalkpod.com. There, you can stay up to date on all the latest Dice Talk news and streaming schedules. Also, be sure to go to MajesticGoose.com, where you can check out all the awesome tabletop shows that we offer on the network. If you want to find us on social media, you can do so on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. Just search Dice Talk and start following us today. You can also get in touch with us by sending us an email to DiceTalkShow at gmail.com. And if you've enjoyed the show, please leave us a review. They really help to get us to the top of the charts and get our name out there. Leaving us a review lets us know how you feel about the show, and it really is the best way you can support us right now. Don't forget to tell your friends about us, and subscribe to the show so you never miss an episode. I'll talk to you next time on Dice Talk. A Majestic Goose Podcast. Honk.